Praise the Lord. This is Dr. Ruth. Thank you for joining me today. Here is the continuation of the teaching. Verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Right away, we see the Lord getting into a region that was a Gentile region or a pagan region. Okay? Verse 22, a Canaanite woman, i.e. a woman who was not a Jew, a woman who did not have a covenant relationship with God, a woman who was considered a pagan in that region. Verse 22 says, a Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Right away, we see this woman pursuing the Lord Jesus for healing. This woman, this pagan woman, even referred to the Lord Jesus using one of his messianic titles, Son of David. Verse 23, Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and asked him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Apparently, this woman was robbing the disciples the wrong way, if you will. Number one, like I said, she was a non-Jew, a pagan woman, who was yelling, calling out for help. Obviously, the disciples were insensitive to this woman's need. Unfortunately, that is how some Christians today are insensitive to the unbelievers, but that is not God's will for no one. And we will see how the Lord would respond to this pagan woman, or today we would call her an unbeliever. Verse 25, he answered. This is the Lord Jesus now answering to this uh, pagan woman. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The Lord went on to reiterate or to express his primary calling, which was primarily to the Jews. I had discussed that already. Verse 25, the woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. We see a very persistent pagan woman who did not give up, even though Jesus said, I was sent to the lost sheep of Israel. Verse 26, he replied, this is a lot now. The Lord would reply to this woman, continuous begging. Jesus said, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Let me explain this verse. It requires some explanation. I will repeat this. It is not right to take the children's bread. The children here is referring to the nation of Israel collectively. The bread here is referring to the gospel and toss it to the dogs. There are the dogs here is referring to the pagans or a non-Jewish person who is outside of the covenant that the Jews had with God. And some commentators say that the dog the dogs here could also refer literally to dogs and to what today in the 21st century we would describe as a house pet. So in this comment, the Lord Jesus was not being negative towards dogs 
or this comment should not be taken as a derogative comment towards dogs. Okay? Verse 27. Uh, yes, it is, Lord. Now, this woman responded after the Lord had explained that it is not appropriate to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. The woman persisted. Lord, she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. We see a woman who wasn't going to give up. We see a woman who was seeking after Jesus wholeheartedly, even though she was not a Jew. Let's see how the Lord responded to this woman. Verse 28, then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Powerful. We see the Lord in a pagan area. And we see a pagan woman or an unbeliever wholeheartedly pursuing the Lord without shame, persisting, not giving up. We see active, persistent faith. And what did the Lord Jesus did? The Lord was impressed. Remember, it is faith that pleases the Lord. Even the faith of unbelievers. And the Lord turned around and healed this woman who was not even a Jew. Friend, let's think about this. Unfortunately, so many Christians believe that the blessings of God, such as healing on their physical bodies, deliverance from all sorts of bondages, are only for the Christians. Friend, false. The Lord Jesus just explained this to us through his action. You see, when Jesus died on that cross, like I have explained, he not only died for the forgiveness of sins, he also died so we can receive physical healing in our bodies and deliverance from all sorts of bondages. And he became poor so we could be rich. He died to bring us into this relationship with God the Father through himself and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The death of Jesus Christ on the cross was for the human race collectively. Yep. The difference is that those who believe by faith and accept Jesus Christ come into this relationship with God through Christ. But the blessings, the power to receive healing was released on the cross so an unbeliever today in the 21st century someone who has never heard about Jesus Christ and then the very first time hears about the healing power of Jesus Christ and genuinely calls upon Jesus to heal them from sicknesses in their bodies that person can receive physical healing and then turn around and accept to follow the Lord Jesus later on as their personal Lord and Savior. And the Bible has many examples, even in the epistles, where unbelievers receive their healing first, healing of physical diseases, then later on give their lives to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. So I say this because when People come to us with a need. We have to do our best to meet that need. Just show the love of God in action. 
And then after that, we can then teach them about who really Jesus Christ is, preach a gospel to them, and explain to them that the forgiveness of their sins or explain to them that God is really after their souls so that they do not end up in hell and give them the opportunity to understand that physical healing, deliverances, these are all secondary. These are byproducts of a vibrant relationship with God through Christ. Most importantly, accepting Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is primary, primarily God's heart. So we should not try to make sure that a person is a Christian before we lay hands on them. And we should not try to make sure that a person has accepted, accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior before we extend compassion or love to them. No, we should extend compassion and love to them, lay hands on them and trust God to heal them. Then thereafter, preach Christ to them. And I guarantee you, after they see the miraculous work of God in their lives through you, they will accept Jesus Christ. Okay, that is a principle I wanted to explain there. This is so crucial because I know of at least a couple of pastors who would not pray for people if they are not Christians. They want to make sure that they are Christians first before they pray for them. That is incorrect. And the Lord Jesus just explained that here. So I hope you receive that, okay? Okay, moving along here, we come to uh, verse 29. And even before I even get to verse 29, let me go back to the end there of verse 28. Um, and her daughter was healed at that same uh, moment. So we see another principle here that when the woman believed, and the Lord expressed that that woman had acted in faith, that healing took place. Again, explaining what the Lord would later teach, that at the time we pray and believe, that is when the miracle takes place, and then the manifestation can be seen instantly or sometimes takes a little longer, but that is not because of God. That, be, that has a lot to do with other things run and around us. But I will teach that later on when we get further into the book of Matthew here. Verse 29, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Verse 30, great crowds came to Jesus, bringing the blind and the crippled and the mute and many others and laid them at the feet of Jesus and he healed them all. I was just uh, paraphrasing that. We see the Lord Jesus doing a lot of healing in a pagan region. Glory to God. What I just took some time to explain. Jesus healed them. He healed them all. And they were not Jews. Okay. Verse 31. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing. And they praised the God of Israel. Wow. We see how Jesus is in a pagan area, or today you would say Jesus is among unbelievers, healing them, and they praised him. 
Isn't this so ironical that the Jews rejected him? The Jews questioned his healing power. The Jews accused Jesus of using demonic powers to heal. And for the most part, they didn't give him much praise. They didn't give much glory to God. We see unbelievers here praising the God of Israel. Amazing. Hmm. Verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. We see a God who is moved by compassion, still moved by compassion today. And we see a God who is concerned not only about our physical needs, about our spiritual needs, about food to eat, Jehovah Jireh. God our provider and we will see how the Lord would provide food for the crowd um, the Lord continued to say I do not want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way verse 33 his disciples answered where could we get enough bread in this remote place to feed such a crowd <laughs> isn't this interesting and um, I say this because we had just discussed in, uh, I believe, chapter 14, how the Lord Jesus had performed the miracle and fed 5,000 plus much more. Apparently, the disciples forgot about that miracle that had just happened. Much like many people forget the miracles that God had done in their past. And then when they are faced with the current crisis, they start to doubt. This is exactly what was happening with the disciples. They had already forgotten about the 5,000 people who were fed, and now they are doubting. How, how are we going to do this? Let's see how the Lord responded. Jesus said in verse 34, How many loaves do you have? Jesus asked. Seven, they replied, and a few small fish. Verse 35, he told the crowd to sit down on the ground. Then, this is verse 36, then he took the seven loaves and fish. And when he had given thanks, he broke them and gave them to the disciples and they in turn to the people. We see the Lord performing another miracles, miracle rather, right in the hands of the disciples. Verse 37, they all ate and were satisfied. Afterwards, the disciples picked up seven basketfuls of broken uh, pieces that were left over. Boy, Jehovah Jireh, God wants to bless us abundantly, exceedingly, until it overflows, until, until there is extra for us to bless somebody else. We see this principle here. The Lord Jesus blessed the people, supernaturally fed them, and, and there was extra. That's how he wants to bless us today. He wants to bless us abundantly and bless us with extra so the blessings can overflow so we can bless others. But we have to allow him to bless us his way and in his perfect timing. Verse uh, 38, the number of those who ate was 4,000 men, 
besides women and children. Again, the same concept that I explained in chapter 14. Men had to eat separately in the ancient Jewish culture and the children had to eat with women. So there were probably more than 4,000 here. Verse 39, after Jesus has sent the crowd away, he got into the boat and went to the vicinity of Magadan. And that brings us to the end of that chapter. So what are the major principles out of this chapter 15 here? Let's go over that. I explained this already. God is after the intentions of our heart. He sees our heart. Okay. It is not what we put into our mouth that defiles us. It's what comes out of our mouth. Principle number two. We talked about the traditions of man. We have to be careful that the traditions of our churches, <laughs> the traditions of man never, never take priority over the word of God. And we talked about the fact that the Lord Jesus loves everybody. The Lord Jesus, his healing virtue is available to all those who will accept them, accept it rather, believers and unbelievers alike. And the major application here is really what I, I just discussed. We have to be certain that the word of God is preeminent in our life. We have to be certain that we don't allow church tradition. Mm -hmm. We don't allow what our parents did or our church leaders are doing, which are just traditions. We have to be certain we don't allow those traditions to become what we adore as God's word. We have to be certain to go to the word of God and make sure that the traditions that we are practicing are truly traditions, but not the word of God. We have to be certain we elevate the word of God above and beyond church tradition, above and beyond family traditions, above and beyond society's community traditions. Because like Jesus said, we don't want to allow tradition to nullify the word of God or we don't want traditions to take away the effectiveness of the word of God. If we did that, we would only hinder ourselves from receiving God's blessings. All right. And I mentioned some of the traditions that we see today, uh, the types of musical instruments. There are people who have experience church divisions because of things such as musical instruments or the way people dress to come to church or the way communion is served. Those are all traditions of man. We should not allow these little things to affect our relationship with God or others. All right. And I also talked about the fact that we have to be certain that when unbelievers come to us with their need, we just allow God to flow through us to bless them. And then later on, just teach them about how Jesus died for their sins and give them the opportunity to accept Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. It is not our position to judge unbelievers, nor to refuse extending compassion and love to them. Uh, because they have not accepted Christ first. That really should be secondary. We should allow the love of God in us to be manifested so they can see that and then their hearts will be 
more open and likely to receive the gospel message and then we would help them receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. Okay, so I hope you receive that in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for all the listeners today, Father God, in this 21st century where so many people are confused about what is your word and what are the traditions of men. Father, I pray for your Holy Spirit to speak to each listener's heart today. Help them to discern correctly what truly is your word and what are traditions. Teach them, Holy Spirit, to elevate your word. Strengthen them to stand on your word and to elevate your word above and beyond any church tradition, above and beyond any family tradition, because at the end of the day, it is your word that has the power to transform lives. It is your word that has the power to break every bondage, every sin in our lives. So, Father, help us to be men and women who elevate your word, even as you have elevated your word above your name. We thank you, Father God, for your Holy Spirit is doing a work in people's hearts right now. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your faithfulness. And in the name of Jesus, I thank you for answering this prayer. And I have prayed in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody says, Amen. Have you been blessed today? We hope so. And we pray for you to stay blessed. Before we wrap up today, I want to remind you to visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H. T-A-N-Y-I.org and check out our upcoming events. And while on the website, remember to visit our e-bookstore for additional Bible-based teaching materials. I am Chris Oram. Goodbye.